Welcome to Movies Are Magic, and today, it's all about the tunes. Now, I'm just securing this Acme brand boulder precariously over a ravine in the hopes of catching a roadrunner. Wish me luck. And I'm free. I'll get you, Roadrunner. <coughs> Sorry. For so many of us, animation is the first thing we ever see on a screen. I was a very weird baby when most kids, when they watched Peppa Pig, I used to watch Peppa Pig with a straight face. And at the very end, when they were doing the credits, I burst out laughing. I don't know why. Probably the first film I ever watched, the proper film, was a movie about all these animals on a farm and how they actually talk to each other. Barnyard is a bit different. It's like with all these animals that talk to each other and then something comes and tries to get them. I always liked um, films about animals, even to this day. Our first experience of film is more than likely going to be animated, whether on the big or small screen. I'm Stella and I'm 12 years old. The film I've seen more than anything else is Snow White. Well, it's about a girl who has an evil stepmother and the evil stepmother gets one of her huntsmen to take out her heart, but the huntsman doesn't take out her heart and tells her to run away. So she runs into the forest and finds a cottage filled with seven dwarves. I love just, like, the plot of it and how it's, like, it's not scary, but it's not, like, too sweet either. Cartoons allow us to look at tricky aspects of the world in a way that's safe and without too much fear, even when we're pretty young. Hi, I'm Beckett, and I'm from Scaries, and I'm six. My favourite film is Big Hero 6. It's about a robot that's white, and this guy, he had a brother, he died because there's this big science lab and it went on fire. Not much people died, but... He was the only one who died. They thought um, someone else died, but he actually didn't. There was these things called microbots, and they protected the guy that they think died. And then now he became evil. I think I've watched this film four times. I just really like it. They can discuss life and death. Adventure up there! Good and evil. I'm through with all of you. I'll get even. Just wait. You'll be sorry, you fools! Or just make us laugh in a totally new way. Ah. 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 Ah, yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please uh, just focus on this? Hey. Wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. Oh, no! Yes? Flash? What? <gasps> Do? No! You call. A three-humped camel? Pregnant! Okay, great, we got it! Please, pumped. just... We're all used to seeing the big studio cartoons, the ones with pictures on the side of a bus that cost millions to make and need all of our bums on seats so they can make their money back. But there are rich rewards when you're willing to go a little further afield. Shy knows. This week, I'm recommending that you watch My Neighbour Totoro by Hayao Miyazaki from 1988. This is a Japanese animated film from the 80s, so it's quite old, but actually you wouldn't know to watch it because it's it's animated, so it looks so, so beautiful still. It's from Studio Ghibli, who have made some of the most beautiful animations of the past 20, 30 years in Japan. 
Now, I've only ever seen this dubbed, but you can also watch it subtitled. So it depends on what you'd prefer to watch. Generally, I prefer to watch the subtitled ones. But um, but these are they actually do a really, really good job of dubbing these particular Japanese films. So there's no, no problem with that at all. Um, and also, if you're a little bit younger, subtitles are a struggle. <laughs> I think it's actually really interesting because these films, these Japanese um, animated films particularly, have had a huge resurgence recently here. And and I think people are really taking to how Japanese people tell stories, which is just slightly different to how we tell stories. It's not hugely different, but you watch a Japanese film and it's unfolding just a bit differently than what we're used to in Hollywood. I think that My Neighbour Totoro is a really good entry into that because it's very gentle, it's very funny, it's very beautiful. All the little characters are fantastic. And there's a really simple way into the story via the two sisters, Satsuki and Mei. It's okay, Mei. He'll be here soon. Satsuki is 10 and Mei is 4 so there's a nice broad age bracket there and they move to a new house in the countryside their mother is sick in hospital and their dad takes them to live in the countryside while the mother recuperates so that's really easy to relate to as well you know like this the family kind of trying to go through something together and work it out they move to this house in the countryside and it's in nature which they're not necessarily used to and this nature is full of magic I think that's one of the things that you see a lot in Japanese cinema is this kind of relationship between nature and magic and spirituality and young people. They went on to make so many films and for a very broad age group as well. So like there's Ponyo, which I think would be quite a younger audience. Ponyo, 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 fishy in the sea. And then there's stuff like Spirited Away, which you may have heard of before. It's a very famous animated film. <laughs> which I think is a little bit older, maybe like 10 to 12 and up. So they have a huge catalogue of films. Some of them are very dark, like there's films like Grave of the Fireflies, which is really moving. Then there's they have kind of more arty ones, so like The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is maybe a little bit more challenging in terms of the storytelling. It's very simple storytelling, but it's very slow, very quiet, very gorgeous. The animation in these films, it's stunning, and it's very different to probably what we're used to seeing. It's almost like watercolour looking a lot of the time. Not CGI, it's 2D animation. Looks a bit different to like a Pixar film, but no less beautiful. And I think you could pause one of these films anywhere and like, stick that picture on your wall because they're absolutely gorgeous. Oh, here comes the bus. I think My Neighbour Totoro in particular, you can watch it really young. Like, I think you could put this on for a two-year-old and they'd stare at it. And I think you could put it on for a 15-year-old and they'd love it. There's nothing too challenging in this film. I think it's a really nice, gentle film. It does kind of have shades of like Alice in Wonderland type weird stuff. So like they meet um, Totoro, who is kind of a gentle giant, big (laughs) grey monster type guy, Um, but very gentle. Uh, They go on a ride on a cat bus, which is actually a giant bus that's made of a cat. Looks a bit like the Cheshire Cat, actually, speaking of Alice in Wonderland, with loads of legs and it flies. I mean, all this kind of cool stuff that everyone would love. And it's definitely something for everybody. But I think particularly this film, like you could watch this at any age. It's actually just arrived on Netflix along with a load of other of these films. So I think you can you can check it out there. The three words I'd use to describe this would be weird, wonderful and gentle. Almost all the Studio Ghibli back catalogue is now available streaming online or on a disc. If you've watched any of them and would like to give us your thoughts, email us, junior at rte.ie. Check this movie out. Hello. Hello.
<laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's good, Mickey. Yeah, yeah, good one. Is anyone else slightly freaked out by Mickey Mouse's voice? I know not everyone is going to have access to streaming services for whatever reason. If only there was an easier way to get the films that you love. What if there was a totally free way you could borrow all the films you could ever watch? My name is Betty Codd and I'm a librarian at Dublin City Libraries and I have the great job of buying for the library. So we buy all the DVDs, all the books, all the graphic novels and everything like that. Because all counties are at level three, I think that most libraries around Ireland are back to doing a call and collect or click and collect, contact and collect. It's called different things in different counties, but it's the same everywhere. So you can't come into the library yourself to browse and to find your own DVDs or to find your own graphic novels or books. But you can, you can still reserve them and you can still get them, but you come to the library to collect them and you collect them at the door or inside the door of the library. It'll be different depending on different libraries. If you're not a member of library, it's, it's, it's straightforward. There are a couple of steps involved. You can fill in that online form or you can just contact your own local library. There are different categories, classifications for children's and young adults tickets. So like under 12 years of age, somebody who's getting a DVD out from with that card can get G-rated films or PG-rated films. We also have a young adult card that's 12 to 14 years of age, which allows young adults to get DVDs that are rated for 12 year olds. The great thing is we've recently added to our collection a number of new DVDs for all different age groups. Like we've added Abominable, Paddington 2, Detective Pikachu, Doolittle, Sonic the Hedgehog, Onward, The Lion King, Toy Story 4. We have all the Lego movies. Then we have a really wide selection of Disney princess movies, musicals, and um, earlier movies in, in, in all the series. Spider-Man Far From Home, Captain Marvel. We have a good selection of the Marvel movies, Avengers, the Harry Potter movies. And then that's just a, a taste or it's just a selection of the great variety of DVDs we have. And the thing is, if you check out our catalog and there's something that you like and you don't see it on our catalog, we can see if we can get it for you so just give your local library a ring and ask so maybe pop into your library how many of you would like to be an animator there are amazing courses to do when you're finished school and there's actually lots you can learn just on youtube today ireland is home to some amazing animation studios from sullivan bluth back in the 80s to brown bag Jam Media, Boulder, and so many more. Well, one of the biggest studios with a roster of impeccable films, many of which have actually been Oscar nominated, is based in Kilkenny. Cartoon Saloon made Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner, and the upcoming Wolf Walkers. Wolf, wolf, hunting far and yonder. So, let's swan dive cartoon style into the world of one of their animators. Hi, I'm Fabian Erlinghäuser, and I'm an animation director. So I was drawing illustrations most of the time, around six or seven, and I just really enjoyed watching cartoons. But you don't really know at that point yet what that actually entails. Eventually you realize that you can actually make a job out of this. It's something that you study that has different facets like life drawing, where you draw people and um, you learn how to construct a room and you learn how to design characters and things like that. So I had this teddy bear as a kid and then later I drew comics of him and I designed him as a cartoon character. 
And I was really proud of myself, but he looked really good from one angle only and from other angles he looked really bad And because I just didn't have the knowledge of how to construct a character um, so that it would work from different angles. I did an internship in a cartoon studio, uh, like a work experience sort of thing. And that was an eye-opener because I didn't realize that you have an entire team working on this. And then, you know, once you see the drawings move, it's like a flip book. That's where you realize, okay, now we're actually crossing from one realm into the into another, from a still image into movement. And I think that's when you see when the characters come alive, that's when you really realize, oh my God, I'm nearly playing God here, creating characters and making them come alive. And so that's only something I learned later in college, that how you develop this dimensional drawing. George Fandango, just an average kid in an average town. Then I met the coolest friends in the world. So right now we're in a sound design studio working on Dark Van Dango and uh, we're adding sound effects to the picture. So that means if there's a car coming to a halt, we need to add a screech for a car. And sometimes we need to choose between two or three different screeches or a gasp or a meteor hitting a, a house. And so this this is a really fun aspect of it. Um, and it all is part of bringing it to life and making it more believable. This is going to be such a cool movie! Dorg is a normal, an ordinary kid, and one day his life changes because there is a crate that landed in his backyard, and that crate has magical creatures in it. A unicorn, a witch, a ghost, and an alien. And they suddenly come to, into his life, and they help him navigate through life. You know, if he has chores to do, they can just use magic and make life easier. But most of the time, they actually make it worse. So it's a comedy. It's lots of fun stuff happening. And it's really a comedy about normality and how normality gets upset by these magical creatures. Animation means that you're making something move. You're putting a spirit into something, like you, you bring it to life. And so this could be any object. This, this could be a character, it could be an animal or a person. But you're basically adding emotions and uh, weight and balance and making it move in a believable sort of way. So we're imitating life. It's sort of creating this illusion of life that something is actually alive when it's not. And you do that with timing, with lots of, like, for example, if there's a slow action, you need lots of frames, lots of drawings, because a character sobs in a slow way. Or maybe there's an action sequence where everything goes really fast and zipping left to right. The trick is to really make an audience engage with the character. Once we get in there, once we start watching a film or a show and we feel for the character, that's when the animator has really done a good job. This is an ancient shell that my mother gave me a long time ago. Hold it to your ear and listen carefully. You will hear the Song of the Sea. When I was working on the feature Song of the Sea at Cartoon Saloon, we're talking about an hour and a half. So you have one arc in a film. You know, it's usually beginning, middle and end. Now, the comparison to shows is that, in Dog's case at least, um, every episode starts all over again. So it's 11 minutes and then after that everything goes back to normal. And so it's a completely different uh, emotional arc in that sense. The difference is also that uh, you have different studios working on a film. So in the case of Song of the Sea, we had two or three different studios working on it. And then you have to communicate with the other studios who takes what where they take the backgrounds and we take the animation and the other studio takes you know coloring in and things like that so there's an awful lot of communication involved trying to still make it look like it's one thing it's it comes from one source and to still see it come together like this in a coherent way is just so satisfying all of us are connected 
and we'll all share in our faith. People always assume that the computer does everything, which is ludicrous. It's just wrong. You know, you can't press a button and the computer spits out the finished film. It still starts with traditional media, and at Cartoon Saloon we use a lot of that. We use ink and watercolors and cutouts sometimes. At the end of the day, all of these things are just tools that's really important to remember. For kids as well, it's just tools that help you maybe work a bit faster, but it doesn't substitute the fact that you still need to put the work in. You still need to learn. It's like um, learning classical piano. You still need to learn the basics, and then once you learn these tools, then you can go on and, and use them in different ways. Everybody who has a knack of observing people and sort of noticing um, little intricate sort of character traits, I think uh, that's, that's, that's something uh, that's a good asset to have. A good sense for timing as well, because it's usually, you know, when somebody tells a joke, it's not the punchline itself. It's all in the timing and how it is delivered. So if you have a sort of a, a funny bone or a sense of timing, and not just for humor, but also for emotion, to evoke an emotion out of an audience uh, to make them cry, that is usually, you know, that's bingo. Yes, we've done a good job. And that combined with the desire to tell stories as well and to work in a team, in a creative team where everybody contributes. We're talking about 100 or 200 people coming together and each of these brains are trying to create this one big thing. So anybody who's interested in that, I think, you know, would, would have a good career as an animator. The beauty of animation is that you can literally create anything. And where else could you create uh, space monkeys, <laughs> for example? So absolutely. And great ideas come from this. Well, buddy, you're talking to a witch, a unicorn, an alien, and a ghost. We got this. Thanks, Fabian. Dorg Vandango can be found on RTE Junior. Do not miss it. Cartoons and animated films allow us to build worlds. Where inanimate objects come to life. A past where Vikings happily lived with dragons. But no matter how crazy the stories, no matter how far-fetched the world, pretty much every single film animated or otherwise starts with a script to be honest my handwriting is terrible so let's ask Sean a lot of filmmakers would argue that story is the most important part of a film and I am one of those filmmakers technical aspects of filmmaking such as sets or lighting only ever matter to a certain extent once you can see and hear your film clearly the story really becomes the main focus how I like to approach writing short films is by first getting to really know the characters. I will write down all of the details about them on a page at first, just so I really get an understanding of them. For example, I ask questions such as, what are their values? I'm the good guy. What are their goals? I've got to win the girl's heart. What are they going to do in this film? Win! And then when I have all of their like information written down on a page, from there I can really get an understanding of how they're going to come into contact with the other characters in the film and also how their character is going to be involved in the story. I'm the love interest. Once I have an understanding of the characters, I then like to look at the film's structure. So at the beginning of a film, things are usually normal. And I like to include in the script ways in which we can understand this normal world. How are we going to see the normal lives of these characters that are in our film? Then, what's going to change this normal world or the characters' normal lives? This change is usually called the inciting incident and is usually what kicks off the actual story of the film. I died and now I have to hunt my kids. 
Finally, how will this world and its characters look at the end of the film? And how would it look different to the start of the film? I always find this part really interesting. From here, you can then fill in the gaps within your script or structure. You can add in scenes which tell us more about the characters. For example, you can include a scene of a teenager trying to sneak sweets from the press in his kitchen. This scene will then show that not only does this character really like sweets, but he's also a little bit sneaky. I love the cola bottles. As long as each scene adds something to your film, the scene will belong. The final step is then writing your script, and I like to start writing my script where most writers do, from the very beginning. And then from there, I just kind of write each scene as they come. As long as I'm sticking to the overall structure of the film, and as long as each character is remaining consistent in their values and actions, then I'm doing my job well. Once I finish this script, which usually takes a couple days or weeks, I then like to go back and edit it. And I usually find this to be the most difficult part of writing a film, because for me, you never really know when to stop editing the film. You never really know when the film is going to be good enough. Here, I go back and make sure that each scene makes sense, that the entire story makes sense, that the characters remain to their goals and values, and also, I have to make sure that the film is entertaining. One question to ask at this stage is, what can I get rid of? Is there a possibility that I can replace a line of dialogue with just an image? Finally, when I decide that there are no more changes to be made, I finish the script and then start planning for the shoot. If you're having trouble with the structure of your film, don't be afraid to try and change perspective or get someone else to read your script. It takes a team to make these things work and even the best writers need an editor to help them get it right. Now your challenge for this week is not even to write a whole script, but maybe even to just write a scene. If starting at the beginning of your film is a little too difficult, maybe even just try starting in the middle. And from there, your story will grow. Thanks, Sean. Again, if you have any film ideas to share or you want to contribute to the show in any way, email junior at rt.ie. Now, we've seen how a grown-up attempts to make a cartoon. I guess it's time for a kid to come up with an original idea for one. Hi, my name's Nisha. I'm 11 years old and I'm from Valmount, Dublin. I wish someone would make this film. The main character is like the villain. It has some kind of weird name that everyone knows because it's so weird. Hello, I'm Krang. The setting would probably be not in a big city, but just kind of in a town. But everyone knows it because of the villain and the hero. The hero is actually the villain, and in the end, the villain has to be the hero. And when everyone's like, no, he's not the villain, he's the hero. He's been this hero for how many years? Why will no one ever believe me? Their main character is power is mind control, so that's how they get everyone to think they're the good person. So we can troll everyone's like, no, I'm the good guy, he's a bad guy. I think he should just have a normal name, like, though, like, Arnold Stewart. <laughs> Well, our hero is actually the villain, has to overcome the hero while everyone thinks that he's the villain. And everyone's like, no, he's just trying to uh, distract the hero so he can like torture us. And he's also trying to win the confidence of everyone to say, no, I'm gonna protect you. But this is about me being a bad guy. The real bad guy is this guy. And then everyone's like, oh, I thought he was the good guy. Never judge a book by its cover. Thanks, Nisha. Just to let you know, I'm open to being cast as the villain with a heart of gold. You can mail me for my agent's details. Okay, tip time. Here are my top three animations you might not know that you should do your best to catch up with. You're probably all quite used to the bigger films, so why not stretch your horizons? Cartoons from another country can feel off-limits, but sometimes a film works regardless of language. And The Triplets of Belleville does just that. The story of a kidnapped cyclist and a granny in hot pursuit. 
Meg, we are enjoying. This was the film Brad Bird made before The Incredibles, and that's useful because that's actually the word I'd use. The incredible story of a boy, his enormous robot, and a bunch of grown-ups that just don't understand. What are we looking at here, Mr. Manley? This is no meteor. This is something much more serious. And finally, given that Shah already spoke about Studio Ghibli, I recommend The Secret World of Arietti. It's a retelling of The Borrowers in which our tiny heroine encounters big problems when a new boy moves in. Could you at least come out so I can see you? I want to make sure I'm not dreaming. And I suppose for this week, that's all, folks. Now, where is that pesky wabbit? Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Ha ha ha.